Petrie again. Snaps a shot right in front again. This time they don't miss. Nikita Sherbach with his first National Hockey League goal. You're listening to All the Kings Men, the official podcast of the LA Kings. Popped over the stick of Trevor Murphy, and here's Leipzig moving in. Brandon Leipzig spins with the back, and he scores! Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. My name is Jesse Cohen. This is All the Kings Men. Never miss an episode by subscribing today. Subscription links and recent episodes can be found at lakings.com slash podcast. The Kings acquired two new players this week via waivers claims, and I was curious what exactly we should expect from these players moving forward. So I reached out. Rick Stevens from All Habs has all the information about Nikita Sherbach, and Ken Belke from Sinbin out in Vegas has the scoop on Brendan Leipzig. Uh, plus, Ken and I profile the Pacific Division so far this season, trade barbs about our two teams, and generally drag each other off topic uh, as usual. <laughs> but first... It's time for This Week in Kings History with Mike Comito. Well, it's been a few weeks. There was some turmoil and some holidays, but Mike Comito joins us again for This Week in Kings History. How are you doing today, Mike? I'm back, Jesse, and I'm doing better than ever. (laughs) You are. You're back. Uh, Remind everybody again before we get into it uh, what you've written and where it can be purchased. So, yes, the book you're referencing is Hockey 365, and it's uh, 365 short hockey history stories, uh, one for every day of the year. So it's the perfect gift for every hockey fan on your Christmas list. You can pick it up just about anywhere where books are sold. Uh, it's pretty easy to grab it online right now. I think it's on sale on uh, on Amazon in the U.S. And so, again, feel free to, to check that out, grab a copy, leave a nice rating, and, and give it to a loved one at Christmas. That's right. Perfect gift for a hockey fan for the holidays. So, uh, Mike, what do we have this week in King's History? Uh, so this week was actually a pretty nice one. I think we had a pretty big moment. Um, we look, we're going to look back on when Bernie Nichols had his eight-point night against the Maple Leafs on December first, nineteen eighty-eight. And again, it was a franchise record, and still is a franchise franchise record story for most points in a game. Uh, and I actually had the chance to talk to Bernie uh, just earlier this week for a story that I'm doing for the Kings website. And so I got a chance to kind of pick his brain, you know, about what he remembers from that game, and you know, what kind of led to obviously the offensive explosion he had that night. Uh, but certainly it was a it was a monumental game in, in, in a number of ways. Not only did he set the record uh, with his eight point night, you know, which kind of overshadowed the fact that, you know, Gretzky had five assists that night. Uh, Taylor had a hat trick. So certainly it was a great night for the Kings, obviously, in a in a nine uh, three route over the Leafs. Uh, but uh, Nichols also set another record that night. He actually scored uh, his 30th goal of the season in just his 26th game, which sent another franchise record for the fastest 30 goals. Uh, Charlie Simmer previously had that back in 1980-81 when he scored 30 and 30. It's always amazing when you look back at the uh, the 80s and you look at some of the games, that, you know, where there was multiple hat tricks and you know eight mm-hmm. <laughs> eight points or nine points or whatever it is. Um, obviously, you know the biggest name from that era that stands out is Wayne Gretzky. Uh, Wayne Gretzky and Bernie Nichols had a chance to play together. Was there any connection between the two on this evening? Uh, yeah, no, I think Gretzky was was definitely on uh, on those two goals, uh, and certainly um, um, is, Nichols was on uh, some of Taylor's assists. I think that I think Bernie's highlight of that game would have been the shorthanded goal, um, which I think Gretzky would have assisted on uh, to really kind of set things going. Uh, and it's funny when I talked to to Bernie, you know, he looked back and he thought that you know they had they had five power plays that night, and he actually thought that they had more goals than that because at the time, obviously. Given the personnel they had on the roster, you know, their power play was just firing on all cylinders. 
And so through the course of the conversation, I said, you know what, you guys still had a pretty good night, but you only scored twice in the power play. And he seemed a little uh, a little disappointed that there were more goals in the power play, but certainly he had uh, the Kings score two in the power play and one on shorthanded. So obviously that's a, it's a pretty good night when all your special teams are clicking. Uh, so certainly, you know, Bernie and, and, and Gretzky certainly, uh, you know, had some some great chemistry that year. Uh, Nichols obviously ends up scoring 70 goals uh, to complete the campaign. Yeah, I mean, he had he had had a pretty good career to that date. He'd had one hundred point season, two two seasons in the nineties. Um, you know, a couple forty goal seasons. What do you suppose it was that th- that year he jumps up to one hundred and fifty and seventy goals? I mean, that's that's a heck of a of a leap. Well, there's there's one theory, um, and I think it's best that uh, that we actually let Bernie kind of tell the story as to what might have led to, you know, that uh, that really that obviously I think that uh, that career year. Um, I think uh, obviously there's a number of factors that would have led to those those point totals on the ice, but Bernie I think kind of hints at uh, a little maybe a more superstitious theory as to what led to that offensive explosion for him. It was in Winnipeg, and Greg told me that you know Yuri Curry used to take his stick home with him. It was always good luck, right? Because mm-hmm. I'd, I'd use a, I'd use a new stick every game, and um, so. Greg tells you to do anything, you're going to do it. Right? <laughs> yeah. He'd be at Big Macs every day for lunch. And he played, I'd be eating Big Macs. So uh, I, I, I got my stick ready because I prepare my stick after every pregame. After morning skate, I prepare my stick so it's all ready to go for that night. So I took it home with me. I took it on the bus, took it to uh, our pregame meal, set it beside me. I took it to bed with me. Well, that would do it. <laughs> I, I guess. I guess uh, if you have to listen to anybody, uh, Wayne Gretzky's the guy to listen to. Yeah. No, he has the, the great quote in there is is again when Wayne Gretzky tells you to do something, you do it. So uh, mm. so certainly, you know, whether or not that played a factor or not, I certainly think it's a it's a you know it's it's a great uh, narrative to add to the season that he had, and certainly the eight point game that he had because it's it's funny when I think back. You know, I've done some other, you know, hockey history stories about, you know, players that have had monumental games. Uh, I think about Daryl Sittler in 1976. He had a 10-point game, and I, I had the chance to talk to him a few years back for the 40th anniversary of that game. And, you know, I just kind of asked him, you know, did you do anything differently that game, you know, prior to your uh, – to deviate from your typical game day routine? And he said, yeah, actually, you know what, there was uh, – normally his wife would have cooked him dinner, you know, the typical standard uh, – you know, pasta and chicken that, that most NHL players were eating, you know, back in the day. And, you know, many of them still are. But he said that day his wife was running errands. And so he actually ended up picking up Swiss Chalet, uh, you know, a Canadian rotisserie sure. place here up in Canada. And he ended up just kind of eating that in his car, he said, on the way home before he went in and grabbed his nap. And, you know, that night, obviously, the rest is history. He scores 10 points. It's still a league record for the most points in a game. Uh, I still think, in my opinion, it's a missed marketing opportunity for Swiss Chalet not to have the 10-point chicken dinner every February 6th in honor of, uh, of Gerald Siddler. But anyway, all that to say, I asked, uh, I asked Bernie if he had anything different that day or if he did anything different that day. And, you know, he said it was pretty standard. He, stood, he was still doing his uh, usual game day routine up to that point. Uh, but, but the thing that he did remember, obviously, that we just uh, touched on was, was his new routine with his stick that season. And so maybe that had a factor, but maybe it was just one of those nights where everything was just kind of going his way. You know, growing up, I spent summers in uh, Ottawa. This has nothing to do with hockey, but something you said that triggered me. And the Swiss Chalet uh, and the sports chain of stores, the Sports Chalet in Southern oh. California. As a kid, I would constantly be confused. <laughs> Why? 
<laughs> which was which, uh, and uh, and then you get into the Chateau Laurier, which sort of sounds yep. like Swiss Chalet, and there's the Chateau <laughs> Marmont in LA. Oh, it's a mess. It's a total mess. Uh, Mike, I want to thank you as always for joining yeah. me. Yeah, oh, it's great to be back. Thank you. And uh, we'll have you uh, next week for another installment of This Week in King's History. Yeah, absolutely. And I just wanted to add, too, that uh, the story with Bernie should be up at some point on the King's website. You can kind of go check that out and, uh, you know, get a little more details from Bernie on on how everything kind of went his way that night on December 1st, 1988. And if you're not already, please do follow Mike on Twitter. Uh, that is at Mike Comito, M-I-K-E-C-O-M-M-I-T-O. Thanks again, Mike. Thank you. Take it easy. Joining me now from All Habs, published by Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. Uh, como se va, Rick? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. That's my every, Part of the reason I enjoy talking to you is it's my one chance a year to dust off my high school French. Well, it's you're, you haven't lost you haven't lost <laughs> it at all. It sounds great. Excellent. <laughs> uh, so the Kings have claimed uh, winger Nikita Sherback. Uh, off of waivers he was placed there by the montreal canadians you cover the canadians for all habs um so i'm curious in your uh time covering uh, the canadians what has been your opinion uh, of nikita sherback yeah we've we've covered uh, nikita since uh he was drafted in in 2014 uh by the canadians and and Seeing him at development camp and and uh, as he finished his junior career in Everett, and then uh, when he started his pro career first with uh, what was uh, the Canadians uh, AHL affiliate in St. John's, and then uh, Laval um, as well. Um, we we've seen him a lot, we've talked to him a lot, and um, yeah, first of all, he's just a great guy. He's he's just you're going to get a guy who. Uh, works hard, loves hockey, wants to fulfill his dream, um, and and just wants to immerse himself in the game of hockey. Um, he's he's an offensive player. Um, you know his defensive side of the game is has improved. It's still, I would say, a work in progress. But he's he's uh, he's he's both. Uh, I, I would say more of a, a creative. Um, uh, playmaker kind of guy, but he's got a quick release, a deadly shot. He's willing to drive to the net, willing to play in those dirty areas. Uh, he's got a good frame, so he protects the puck well, um, likes to play off the half wall, great on the power play, um, good on, on zone entries. Um, I, I think he's just he's a good work ethic. Uh, some have have said his skating is average i would say uh and and i should say he he uh, hired a, a skating tutor over the over the summer i would say it's more about his first step uh takes him takes him a while to get going but once he's get, he, he gets going he's got all the speed you need okay now i'm confused because you've just described the ideal 22 year old hockey player uh in today's league yeah. right but the kings claimed him off of waivers so was this just a numbers right. game in Montreal? Were there too many bodies ahead of him? Was he deemed injury prone? Was there, you know, contractual negotiations looming? How is he available? If he's so wonderful, and I don't mean to malign the kid before he even plays a game in a Kings jersey, but but why was he available for nothing? 
Well, um, Claude Julien is the coach of the Montreal Canadiens, and um, when when he was uh, brought brought back to Montreal for his second stint, he sent uh, Mark Bergevin out for with a shopping list. Uh, and so Mark Bergevin, um, at that trade deadline a couple of years ago, went out and got Steve Ott, got Andreas Mark Martinson, and from L.A., got Dwight King mm-hmm. uh, for a fourth-round pick. So that's, that's the kind of fourth line that Claude Julien likes. Last year it was um, journeyman Logan Shaw and Byron Fraze and Nicholas Deloria, and this year it's more AHLers. Uh, Chapu, D'Agostino, Pekka, uh, and Deloria again. Um, uh, Claude Julien's not a fan of Nikita Sherbach, um, just has never been. And, and even when Max, Max Pacioretty went, uh, went out with uh, injury last year and the Canadians were having a hard time, uh, there was Nikita Sherbach on the fourth line. Uh, you didn't see him moving, in, moving up the roster. Um, but you know, um, Claude Julien also didn't like Alex Galchenyuk and he didn't particularly care for Radulov or Markov or Nesterov or Emelin or Sergachev. I'm, det- I'm detecting a slight I, pattern. I don't, there, right? <laughs> I, I don't know what that pattern can be. Somebody smarter than me would figure that out, but <laughs> I'm hearing a lot of ovs at the end of, uh, of all those names. Um, okay. So yeah, it sounds not, like. Well, it sounds like the Kings may be the beneficiaries of another team's mistake, then. And and I think that I, I think that's that's very possible. Um, now he's uh, he hasn't played hockey uh, this. Th- he 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 got a couple of games in, in, in a conditioning stint in Laval. He hasn't played since the preseason, where he got a couple goals in preseason. Uh, actually, it looked pretty good. Um, but he's going to be rusty. He's coming off. Um, uh, I think he's still listed on IR now. He, he had an injury where he went feet first into the boards, uh, nothing serious as far as I know, but he has had, um, some injury issues, uh, in the past. So it might take him a while to get going and, and Kings fans are going to have to get used to, he has an awkward posture when he skates, he's kind of hunched over when he skates. So, uh, it looks like he's kind of cruising um maybe not working so hard but uh yeah i i think you know you get him on a uh, on a third or fourth line and um and and he'll be fine and with his with his uh it was adrian kempe that was taking a couple spots after him in in uh, 2014 so mm-hmm. maybe there's some chemistry there you mentioned his uh his stature and his frame i've noticed larger players tend to get hit with that label of, you know, lumbering or it doesn't look like they're working hard. Kopitar, for example, six foot four. Um, he's six foot two. He's not quite as big as Kopitar, but is it that sort of situation where he's a bigger guy? So maybe his strides are longer. So you don't see the effort necessarily that you would in a guy with shorter legs, you know, who, when he's the top speed, you know, his legs are churning and you can, you know, just take one glance and go, oh, yeah, that guy's working really hard to get, to get to top speed. Is that that sort of situation or does he truly have a weird gait when he's it, on the skates? It, 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 it's just kind of an awkward kind of a, the way he leans and the way he hunches. But uh, he had a, he had a goal in the preseason. Um, I'm going to forget who it was against, but uh, Matthew Pekka, who is, is uh, 
along with Paul Byron's considered the fastest guy on the Canadians. Now, Paul Byron skated up the, the right wing, Nikita on the left side, and Nikita arrived in the crease uh, ahead of Pekka, and uh, Pekka slid it across, and, and Nikita was there for a tap-in for, uh, I think that was his first goal of the preseason. So the, the speed is not an issue. It's just uh, awkwardness and, and, uh, and, and getting to that top speed, I guess. I loathe the terminology that goes along with, you know, all the talk about the modern NHL and, you know, today's hockey and how it's all speed and skill and the, you know, the hockey of six years ago is now obsolete. But but I concede that that terminology has taken over. So given that, is he the kind of player who's built for today's NHL or is he more in the model of, you know, quote unquote, big boy hockey? That's a really good question, and I think I think his his uh, career's kind of evolved. There was one time where he was kind of a, particularly when he came out of junior, he was more of a perimeter player, and he ran into a couple of of uh, injuries earlier in in his pro career, and he was a bit gun shy, and uh, in fact, for a time um, in St. John, Sylvain Lefebvre moved him to center to get him off the boards, uh, but you saw the light go on, and he said to us. Uh, you know what? I I I know um, I know that sometimes you got to take a hit to make a play, and and uh, and that being a skilled player, I'm a target, so I'm going to get hit, um, and I get that now. And and since then, he's been a lot more rugged uh, um, and and willing to play um, play tough. I, you know, it's it's he he's not an all speed game. Um, I w- I wouldn't say s- skating is his greatest strength. Um, he's got great hands. Um, he, he's very smart. He, he goes to the areas where, where goals are scored. And, and I think, uh, that will be the way he'll be successful. It sounds like his English is probably pretty, pretty good. Yeah. If you guys are having these conversations with him. It is good. Um, yeah, he's, um, he lived uh, full time. He spent summers in Montreal so he could train, um, he's got a, um, uh, a girlfriend, French, French, English girlfriend. And so he's, uh, yeah, he's dabbling in a few languages. Um, he's, he's adapted pretty well to the, you know, he's a gamer. He, he likes rap and techno. He's, uh, uh, he likes basketball. Uh, his mom used to play basketball, I think. Um, and, uh, so he's, no, he's adapted, uh, he's adapted to North America just fine. And I'm seeing he played in the Canadian juniors too, which is not necessarily always done by Russian players, correct? That's right. And, and I think that, that really helped him, particularly going to the Western Hockey League where uh, it's, it's a little bit more rugged. And, and, uh, and he was uh, successful with both Saskatoon. And then when he went to Everett, um, uh, he was uh, – uh, a goal scorer and, and uh, racked up the points there. Um, the, his last extended stint, stint in, um, in Laval, he was one of the best players in the AHL, uh, more than a point-of-game player. So, um, yeah, he's he's got the, the resume, and uh, it's just if he can put it all together and if he's given a, you know, a, a, a reasonable fair shot to show what he can do. Well, I mean, he, he's 22. He turns 23 at the end of this month, so... I mean, everything you're describing <laughs> sounds like a really great player. So now now I'm excited. I went in, you know, I confess I knew 
nothing more than the internet, you know, than a cursory Google search could tell me. But uh, now I'm excited to, to watch Nikita Sherbeck. Um, what do you think Kings fans could reasonably expect out of the rest of a season, assuming that he's healthy enough to play? Well, um, you know, you, you can go into it with expecting, well, we got this guy for free and have low expectations and be surprised. Um, or um, I, I, I think that, that he's, a, he's a young talent that, um, that if he gets his uh, – I think he's been discouraged and frustrated in Montreal. If he's, if he's excited to play the game again, then you're going to see a real dynamic player, dynamic offensive player. Um, he's going to make some, some mistakes on the back end. Um, not his game, but, um, but if you're looking for offense and if he gets his, uh, his head in the right place, uh, you're going to, he's going to be fun to watch. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen the standings today or not, but, uh, we can use all the help we can get. So we'll take it. Rick, I want to thank you as always for joining me. Always great to be with you, Jesse. And uh, have a, a good holidays. Joining me now from Sinbin.Vegas, Ken Belke. How are you doing today, Ken? I am fantastic. Uh, Look, your team obviously annoyed a lot of Kings fans last year. Um, And you're up to your old tricks again this year because I was hoping that the Kings wouldn't be the most disappointing story of the 2018-2019 NHL season. That in fact, (laughs) the Vegas Golden Knights would be the most disappointing story. But uh, as we've taken to calling them resurgent, they are, in fact, now uh, climbing back into respectability. So it was this season for Vegas really just all about, you know, Nate Schmidt being gone for 20 games and a couple injuries here and there. And now you're sort of climbing back into to where you we all expected them to be. Uh, I don't completely buy the whole resurgence thing. I think it's more playing awful teams and playing Pacific Division teams and then thinking, <laughs> oh, all is well. All right. Fair enough. You know, so I don't fully... I'm not a hundred percent on board with that, like seven, two and one against Pacific division teams and like horribly under 500 against the rest of the league. But I do think that, uh, Nate Schmidt has made a huge impact on the team. I think Stastny's coming back within by the end of the month, probably. So that should have an impact is that'll push like a Tomas Noshik or Ryan Carpenter out of the lineup. I think that they're, a lot better than what they had shown at the beginning of the year. And I think that they're highly fortunate that they were able to kind of tread water and not bottom out during that time. And now here they are in a bad division and there's more teams falling uh, flat on their face than are doing anything great. So I think they're in a fine spot, but they're not, they're by no means like the, the perfect team. They're, they're not last year's golden Knights at all. Well, let's talk about that Pacific division because, uh, Last year, about maybe three-quarters of the way through, you and I had a long conversation where I tried to convince you that goal differential was a meaningful in- indicator <laughs> of success. And I remember that. I, I feel like I kind of talked to you onto my side of the argument. And 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 even this year, I you know, I, I, in preparation for, a, for an intermission segment that never happened um, for Fox Sports, I did a bunch of research on goal differentials going back five, six, seven seasons and how there had only been one or two teams that had, you know, even missed the playoffs with a positive goal differential and, you know, no team had made the playoffs with a negative goal differential. And here we sit, you know, 28, 29 games into the season and two out of the three teams 
uh, in a current playoff spot in the Pacific Division are carrying negative goal differentials. The San Jose Sharks minus four, so it's not a huge deal. But the Anaheim Ducks with a gigantic minus 13 and your Vegas Golden Knights with a positive goal differential sit outside the playoff spot. Now, you know, it's points here and there with games in hand all spread out. So it doesn't mean anything quite yet. But but just to sort of piggyback on your notion that the Pacific Division is truly awful this year. Um, yeah, that's a fact. Yeah, did you? I mean, I'm obviously you loved to talk about how garbage you thought the Kings were last year. <laughs> um, I thought more to annoy me than anything else. But but I mean, did you see this coming? Because I didn't. I thought a number of teams would have at least improved, if not you know held court. And and I'm sort of stunned at how bad they all are. I am by no means stunned at all. Honestly, the only thing I'm really stunned about is that I, I thought Arizona would be a little bit better than they are. Yeah. I thought I thought Calgary is just they'll be Calgary. They'll but have nice they're, runs. They're, they're sixteen they're okay. and nine and two. I mean they're, they're the, all right. They're all right. Yeah. I mean what watch them play. They're they're all right. They're 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 Calgary. They'll be right on the <laughs> I just right watched the them play a couple nights ago and it was brutal yeah they're calgary like every once in a while they'll play well and then when it comes down to middle of march they'll be right on the cusp of the playoff line or not well maybe this year that'll be winning the division because who knows how the division's going to go but mm. they're not terribly good san jose i didn't think that's not all of a sudden just going to work it doesn't that doesn't happen like this is hockey let's remember that you don't just plug a guy in who plays 27 minutes a game and then think that you have another guy who plays 26 minutes a game and think that that's just going to all of a sudden work and you're never going to give up goals. Like, right. That's definitely not going to happen. So it's not horribly surprising to me that that team's taking a minute to figure it out. I would have thought Vegas would have been in a better spot. I didn't expect them to be as awful as they've been on the road. Edmonton's bad and will continue to be bad. Arizona, I thought, would be a little bit better. Vancouver got off to a nice start, but they're terrible. And then I think the Kings and Ducks have been bad for a year and a half, so that, that doesn't surprise me at all. What did you think of my uh, line that I'm very fond of, that if they're not careful, the Vegas team will go from the Golden Misfits to the Gold and missing the playoffs? Yeah, I wasn't as fond as that line, <laughs> of that line. Um I think that it's fairly unlikely they miss the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just, I just, no I think the division's bad. And I, and I think that they proved throughout their time of not having their number one defenseman, not having two of their top six, and basically having Cody Eakin as their best center for a minute there. Uh, that's not going to be good. And they still found themselves right in the mix the entire time. As the schedule eases up on them, they've played a ridiculous amount of road games. They've had all these trips. This thing's going to get easier on them, and they're going to eventually be a 95 to 100-point team, which may wind up winning the Pacific Division by 11 points. Yeah, I mean, look, the 2014-15 season I referred to as the bizarro season. The Kings and Sharks both missed the playoffs. The Flames and Canucks both made the playoffs. Nothing made sense. Everything was upside down. (laughs) This year... (laughs) I mean, look, Vegas, as I said, one of two teams with a positive goal differential. I still think San Jose can turn it around. But at some point, Anaheim has to fall back. They're I mean, not good. They just cannot. Even if they like, even if they don't fall back, the commissioner has to step in and say, like, listen, listen, no team no. with a double with a double digit negative goal differential um, can be. I allowed. mean, all right, it's so- just absurd. 
here's here's the argument about the Golden Knights, and I, and I think we can use it on the Ducks, is that all of the Golden Knights' tough road trips are out of the way. They've mm-hmm. gone east, and they, they, they're and actually they're not officially out of the way because they're doing it again in a few days. They're going to New York, New York, New Jersey, and then Columbus all in a row. They basically have all these road trips out of the way. Th- these are the teams that – this is the road trips that the Ducks have taken. Dallas and St. Louis, whoop de doo Then they had a single game in Vegas, which they lost. Then they went to Chicago and Dallas, lost them both. Then they had a single game against the Kings, lost. Then they had a single game in Vegas, got their butts kicked. And then they did a four – they had a five-game road trip, which they were terrific in, which was over this last week. Nashville, Tampa, Florida, Carolina. They have road trips of Columbus, Pittsburgh yeah. – Boston, Buffalo, and then they have one of Winnipeg, Detroit, Minnesota, New Jersey, New York, and then they have another of Toronto, Montreal, Ottawa, and Philly. It, it, they they're, have they're heavily backloaded at the end of the they season. They played way too many home games. Yeah, they haven't. They're not that good on the road. They're not that good of a team. And I, I just think that it's one of those things where we all freak out because of of Thanksgiving and like, oh, you're out of the playoffs. Thanksgiving, you, you have no chance anymore. Uh, let's calm down. It's just that it's, it's, it's all right. Well, I and think there are some, <laughs> I think out. there are some divisions where that's true. I mean, if you look at, for example, the Atlantic, you know, maybe Buffalo and I don't know, you know, maybe they swap with somebody, but, it, but essentially like I fully expect Washington to make the playoffs. I fully expect Tampa to make the playoffs. Yeah. You know, but you know, Toronto should make the playoffs. Maybe Buffalo, and Boston get in a, you know, maybe Montreal challenges one of them, but not, but probably not. And, and, you know, I hate to bring back the goal differential. You look at the cutoff there, Tampa, Toronto, Buffalo, Boston, all with positives, Montreal, Ottawa, Detroit, and Florida, all with negatives. And do we really expect Ottawa to make a push? No, you know, and you really like goal differential because it's, Look, because go, it's just, directly indicative of your record. Yeah, we'll go back and look at the standings. I mean, it just doesn't Well, of happen. course. Yeah, no. How do, you, how do you have a negative goal differential if you win more than you lose? Right, exactly. Because every time you win, you have more yeah. than the other team. I don't exactly. understand it. So, I mean, it's just the standings. Yeah, well, yes, basically, except, except in the Pacific Division this year. I do think it's weird, though, that the Pacific Division does not have – enough teams that have more wins than losses like the team in second place has lost more games than they've won the team in third place has lost more games than they've won well you're including overtime losses but yeah but yes point taken yeah um and that is that is a good indicator of what is going to happen moving forward like yes you can make the playoffs based off of those extra points that you get from overtime losses but when it's early in the season and you look at a team that's played 29 games and lost 15 of them, you can't reasonably expect them to win 20 of their next 30. I agree. I, I think that's a fair. I think that's a fair assumption. Um, so I mean, at this point, you expect Vegas to make the playoffs. I do. I wouldn't be honestly. I wouldn't be surprised if Arizona actually is the one team that makes some sort of weird push, just because last year, what was it, from Christmas to the end of the season, they were like the best. They had the best record or something insane like that. Um, I think they're the fourth best team in the division. Behind, Does that mean they behind, behind Vegas, San Jose, and Calgary? And Calgary, and and I don't think it's like this massive chasm like there was last year. I, I think that the, none of the teams are all that good. Does the Pacific actually get a fourth team? No, Maybe not. I don't think so. I wouldn't rule it out. I, I mean, it's not ruled out, but 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 just look at it right now. 
Minnesota and Dallas are at 33 and 30. You know, I'm fully expecting Vegas to leapfrog, you know, Anaheim at some point. Correct. I just, I just don't think Anaheim's for real. I don't know how they're doing it, right? It's, it's insanity. Their goalie's good. Yeah, but (laughs) it's not, I mean, he's that good. I guess. I mean, I guess as a Kings fan, I'm just blinded. Um, and I mean, I'm not saying he's really going to be that it. good all year long. Like it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. You can't be that good the whole time. That's and, sort of what I'm getting. And he's at. John Gibson. Like he, he at yeah. some point, he'll get hurt. He'll remember who he is, and, <laughs> exactly. and he'll be John Gibson, and then he'll fall off the cliff, and they'll yeah. be fine. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think that's a good team at all. You, the, the, the advanced nobody metrics does just scream that that team is awful. Well, never mind the advanced metrics. The remedial metrics scream that that team is awful. And the only you love number, a good minus thirteen. The only number they've got in their favor is, is you know, somehow they've got thirty three points. Um, but look, let's talk about Vegas. Assuming they do make the playoffs, um, we've talked about how they've they have sacrificed their golden misfit identity for a more traditionally uh i don't want to use the word loaded but um talent balanced team shall we say with the acquisitions of stasny and patchy already yep. uh, how do you think and nick holden <laughs> can't forget nick holden and nick holden <laughs> um, on paper i don't think anybody would argue that this golden knights team looks better than last season but how do they look i would really yes why is that uh, because I think that Pacioretty's a better player than David Perron. I sure. think that uh, Paul Stastny's a better player than Eric Kala. And I think that Alex Tuck's a better player than James Neal. Yeah, and no, that's what I'm th- saying. On paper, they look better. Oh, I thought you said they're not as good. No, no, I no. I, no, no. On paper, I think that, I think nobody would argue they look better than last uh, season. Many people argue that. And, uh, well, many people in, in In my, in my, my land. Yeah. And that's because my land is full of uh, lunatics who remember <laughs> the, the good times yeah. of 109 points and then sweeping the Kings. Can right. I remind you that they swept the Kings? Yeah, I'll allow it. Okay. Uh, but so, so okay, so so at least you and I agree that on paper they, they should be better. How do I they, agree. How do they look in their best moments this season, in their, in their peak performance? How do they compare to the top moments of last season? And I realize the, that's a, a lofty comparison. It's very similar. They're 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 really really good when they play at their best, especially when their goalie is on, which mm-hmm. has been happening quite a bit more recently than it was at the beginning of the year. And that's not to say he was bad at the beginning of the year. He just wasn't making nine ungodly saves, and now he is, which is good. But I, I think they're I think when they're at their best, specifically when they're in Vegas, they've been just as good. And I don't think there is a team in the division, at least, that can beat them if they're playing at their best. <laughs> I mean, way to set the bar high for yourself. Yeah. Um, they don't do it, though. Okay. <laughs> and, and last year, they did. Yeah. Last year, they did it a lot. Like, last year, I would say, I don't know, maybe 30 of the games, they played just complete great games. And in those 30, no one beat them, like, ever. And then this year, they've maybe done it twice. I mean, I'll take your word for it. Um how important was the Nate Schmidt thing? Because, you know, 20 games is a long time. Yeah, way more than I thought. I'm, I'm kind of on the, uh, on the normally at least I should say, I'm on the fence of saying one individual player is not going to make that big of a difference unless it's your goalie. Mm-hmm. 
And that's mainly because normally what happens is guys will move up in role and they'll be just slightly worse than the next player down. The problem was the Golden Knights had absolutely no one to fill into Nate Schmidt. So that gap was massive. And then the bigger gap was their sixth defenseman at the time was horrendously worse than Nick Holden is. <laughs> and that's that's hard. Believe yeah. me, that's that's not easy to do because I'm not I'm not like <laughs> out here telling you Nick Holden's awesome. Listen, I'm I'm watching the the 31st ranked team in the league, so I get it. <laughs> that's fair. He's fine, <laughs> but I I think that uh, it's just it, they they did not play at all the style they used to play uh, uh, without Schmidt, mm-hmm. and now they've done it, and all of it, and it literally coincided with that game. Like all of a sudden, they get the puck out of their zone quickly. They're zooming through the neutral zone. They're playing that transition game. They're drawing more penalties. They're doing a lot of the things that they did a year ago. And when they get their 40 shots, they're going to score four or five of them, mm-hmm. where before it was all rips from the point that may or may not ever get through, or that, you know, they were leading the league and missed shots there for a while. I think there's a much better identity to what they are since Nate came back. And I think that's simply just because everyone went back to the right position. So I think it's made a huge impact, even though I would have told you 20 games ago that it's not going to matter that much. So is it fair to say that it's not a coincidence that um, the guy who cheats came back and suddenly the team's doing better? Yeah, (laughs) that would not be a coincidence. Yeah, that's the one. All right, good. Good to know. So what's the the view on that? On the – I – I have not heard anybody say anything about it ever. I don't think people care. Okay, I Fair. really don't. And I mean, I, I, I know, just, I know personally, I don't. You do not think he cheated? Oh, I don't care. Oh, I don't have an opinion on it one way or the other. I, I mean, if you really nailed me down and said, "Do I think it's likely that he was advised to take a supplement by a trainer that accidentally had trace amounts of an of a you know a substance that's banned?" Yada blada blada. Do I believe that? No, I guess I don't. Um, you know, I'm just too cynical, and I think people get paid too much money, and and it's just too convenient an answer. But do I actually care enough to commit to that belief that I don't believe him? No, I don't. You know, I just I just don't. Maybe if he, maybe if it was a bigger name, maybe if it was a bigger market, you know, if it came out that John Tavares was nailed for, you know, having just absurd yeah. amounts of some sort of banned substance in his system, then you'd go like, okay, come on, you know. Or if, you know, if Alexander Ovechkin, it turned out, you know, was drinking the, you know, blood of <laughs> healthy newborns in order to, you know, stay eternally youthful or something, then yeah, maybe I'd be offended. I don't I don't know. I mean, but <laughs> I think that is happening. Well, I mean, look, the guy's unbelievable. It's 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 insane what he's you know, I'm I am, you know Is that illegal? Like I'm gonna have to drinking ask the, the blood uh, of newborn yeah, babies, I'm pretty sure. Think, At least I don't in the know. well the, in the lower forty eight. I spent some time in Alaska in my youth and I'm not sure what what flies. Well, I'm not there, saying but... like in America, I'm saying in the NHL's drug policy. Oh, I'm sure there's nothing uh, it's like the I air but it's like sure the air bud policy. There's no rule that says you can't do it. <laughs> so, but we recommend it's highly yeah, it's, it's frowned upon. Society says yeah, yeah. polite company. Fair um, enough. So let's talk about Brendan Leipzig because the Kings acquire him off of waivers, and you you have a lot of thoughts about <laughs> young Brendan. I don't. I uh, I thought that the Golden Knights uh, would have considered him as an option. I think they may have. I, we we now know that the number one team that had a claim put it in, and yep. they got him. So yep. we we will never know if anyone else put in claims. We 
We never know if anyone passed at him. For all we know, 30 teams wanted him. And if I was Brendan Leipzig, I would probably write that on my grave. I was on waivers and 30 <laughs> teams claimed me and you'll never be able to prove but, it otherwise. But he played for Vegas for a while and you he did. didn't and he was think solid. that they should have gotten rid of him, correct? Uh, no, I did not think they should have gotten rid of him. I didn't really understand the trade. The player that they traded him for is now in the KHL. They never had plans for him. They never brought him anywhere near Vegas. He was never even mentioned. They Even with the day of the trade, they didn't even seem to know the guy's name. Huh. His name is Philippe Holm. Uh, I basically what Brendan Leipzig is, and, and I, th- this is why I like it for the Kings is Brendan Leipzig is a guy that f- speeds up your game. You guys have Ryan Wagner, who is, uh, seemingly, or is it Austin? Who's yeah. we have Ryan, you have an, you have a Wagner. I've we have a Ryan. Heard of Ryan Wagner, but Austin Very, Wagner is the Kings. Player. We have, we have a Ryan Wagner. You have Austin Wagner. Okay. Very similar, just ridiculous speed. But when he gets around the goal, you're like, do the thing where you put it in there, not off the guy's pads. That's what Brendan Leipzig is. He's going to create chances. He's going to speed up the game. He's going to make other players look good. But anytime he gets around the goal, he's probably not going to score. Okay. So I don't – That's unfortunate. To me, that's not the worst thing in the world because I do think you can put other players on a line that can help him. When he went to Vancouver, they put him on a line with Besser and uh, Bo Horvat, and shockingly, he was pretty good. And then this year, they healthy scratched him for like half the games and then put him on a line with some bums on the bottom end of their roster. And he was not good. And they decided to waive him. In Vegas, he played with Alex Tuck and uh, Cody Eakin for a while. I don't think that's a horrible line. They created a lot of chances. They were a huge reason why the Golden Knights claimed that they were rolling four lines for the entire season, which never happened, but they claimed it. And they also claimed that balance was the reason they were winning, even though their top line was plus 48. He was a good reason for that to be the case. He, he, he. I think you're gonna be. I think you're gonna like him. I mean, you and I have long talked about the fact that I don't believe in all of this nonsense about speed and and youth and size and everything. But he looks like a young, fast guy, right? He's little. Yeah, and and fast as the Dickens, from what I'm told. He he's unbelievably fast. It's just he sometimes. Uh, Forgets how to skate, where he falls in his face. <laughs> well, we've got Maybe because we've got a couple of those guys already. Yeah. So, <laughs> but I mean, he's 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 surprisingly good on the puck. Like there will be times in games where he'll just skate around the offensive zone, like the entire offensive zone. You're like, wow, Brendan Leipzig, look at this, and then either fall down or make a pass and not not score. Well, making a pass is fine. Um, and look, at this point, it's up to the development staff to try and refine some of those edges. He's still relatively young, so... Um, Where do you think he slots into that lineup? Oh, Ken, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, give uh, me an idea. Is there any chance uh, he plays top six? I, no. Only because currently our top six is Ayafalo, Kopitar, and Brown, and Kyle Clifford at left wing, which I have said repeatedly, I understand from a certain perspective rewarding hardworking players with top six minutes but you know the 
<laughs> as each game goes by and we continue to see Kyle Clifford at left wing on the second line, <laughs> my, my understanding of that perspective shrinks just, you know, incrementally <laughs> game by game. I mean, I love Kyle Clifford. You know, I would have no problem with him spending his entire career in L.A. I don't I don't think he deserves anywhere near the amount of criticism he gets from some of the harsher parts of the fan base. I think he is not at all a detriment to this team's success. But, yeah, at some point they've got guys like Austin Wagner, Matt Luff, um, Sheldon Rempel, now Nikita Sherback, and, um, and Brandon Leipzig. One of those guys, one of those names that I just threw out there should at some point be getting sec- top six minutes, second line. Right. Minutes or maybe even top six, you know, maybe top line. You know, I, I love I follow Kopitar and Brown, but I'm not opposed to breaking that up and, and moving it around just to see what you've got, right? Because you now have whatever 50 something games left yep. to, to figure out what you've got. And so figure it out, you know, let's it's time for the dress montage from the romantic comedy. Um, Man, I hope they put him with Wagner. Yeah. Well, I mean, based on what you're telling me, I do too. And, and, you know, I have not been a huge um, fan of Kempe at center. I think he might be more useful at wing. But if you're telling me that he's fast, then a line of Wagner, Leipzig, and uh, and Kempe sounds like, you know, it could really fly. It could really move around. So that would be interesting. That would be fun to watch. Correct me if I'm wrong. Wagner can't score, right? I think it's a little bit too early in his career to say he can't score, but he certainly hasn't scored. And Leipzig can't score. And Kempe, likewise, uh, has not filled the puck with uh, or filled the net with pucks. So, so. <laughs> I think that would be a, a joy to watch. Oh. They skate around super fast, yeah. have the puck the entire time, create like six seemingly dangerous chances that aren't really dangerous, and then the puck comes out. And when they should have gotten off and uh, changed, they're giving up a goal. Well, <laughs> I think that's going to be great. Stop. Um, I'm pumped about that. For I mean, look, at this, here's, here's the thing, and this is why I say I, I'm slowly, my understanding of playing Kyle Clifford on the second line is, is slowly shrinking. Um, we're the team, the Kings are in 31st place. I is that che- good? I haven't checked today, but I'm reasonably certain they have the least amount of goals in the league. Um, and so at some point, like I said, you have to change something. Otherwise, you will continue to be in 31st place with the... Yeah, they have 58 goals, which is by far the least amount. I'm scrolling through. I think only Arizona has even close to... as you know, Carolina also. Right, Carol, that's right, because last night was the worst offense versus the second worst offense, and surprise, surprise, it ended one to nothing. Uh, two, two to nothing, but it was an empty netter. Um so, I mean, yeah, even if that line that you're proposing <laughs> does wind up giving up the occasional goal, I'm willing to experiment and see if three incredibly fast young guys with potential, maybe they click, maybe they figure it out. Maybe they're so fast that, you know, it doesn't matter that they're not natural goal scorers. Maybe they just have so much room to operate that, you know, mistakes happen and, and lanes open up. You never know. Um, but I'm going to let you go, Ken. We will I'm do... just thinking in my own head, I think Dustin <laughs> Brown needs to not be on that line and put a fast guy in there. Well, I'm not sure that Kopitar works well with fast guys. and this, or, or I think there are certain players that need time and space to operate. And there are other players that create time and space when, yep. they, when they operate. And, and I think the mistake a lot of people make is is not paying attention to that. And so, 
you know, Connor McDavid creates time and space, but they keep, <laughs> but they don't really put him seem to, and, and maybe there isn't anybody right. Who can capitalize on the kind of opportunities that he creates because he's so good. And I'm not going to say that Kopitar is anywhere near um, a player of McDavid's skill level, but Kopitar needs, as I said, time and space. And he also sort of creates it by holding onto the puck and being, you know, I, for some reason, Wiley is the only word that's coming to mind. But um, but a guy like Brown is well suited to his game, whereas a guy like Wagner, who's going to get to the zone three seconds before anybody else, right? You know, and and if Kopitar is holding onto the puck and they're doing a low zone cycle, you know, in the corner, well, what's Wagner going to do? How is the, how does Wagner utilize his speed to the, to benefiting the team on that shift if two out of the three guys on the line are you know backs to the to the middle of the ice protecting the puck along the boards you know building up zone possession but nobody ever talks about that they just go well who who was the who was best like who were the best line mates Kopitar has ever had probably Dustin Brown well best as in like who had the highest ceiling or who was the most effective pair with him when that line, when when you said Kopitar is at its be- at his best with his best line, when you said this is the perfect line, that's right now. What was it? Justin Williams, Andre Kopitar, and Dustin Brown, with nods to Ryan Smith and Justin Williams, and Tyler Toffoli and Milan Lucic. Now, none so of the those... answer is not speed. No, exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So then maybe Kyle Clifford would be better there. I would have zero problem with that. With at this point, look. <laughs> I don't have any problem with any experiment at this point because nothing can be worse than than worse. Um, if anything, you know, you you learn okay, well that doesn't work, and you move forward, right? Like there's no there's no wrong answers when you're in last place. I guess is sort of what I'm saying, um, except for complacency. But apparently, if you're the Golden Knights and you uh, have 17 points in your first 20 games, that uh, uh, random blogger slash uh, guy who runs Sinbin yelling that they need to change things is a complete jackass. <laughs> well, look, your fan base is full of lunatics. <laughs> and I, I People thought I was out of my mind yeah. when I was saying they need to make changes when, when they weren't winning. Look, there's two things that you never get credit for. Uh, the things you don't say and the things you say that are correct, but that take, yeah. that take time to bear out. Mm. <laughs> That's just, you know, what do we say? Sports are dumb. <laughs> Sports are dumb. Sports are dumb. Uh, all right, Ken, we will talk to you again because we, our two teams play each other four times this month. Um, are you coming here? I don't know, man. Uh, I don't know if I'm going there either. Well, we've got to figure something out because at the beginning of the season, I foolishly made a bet um, with you yes. <laughs> that the Kings would allow fewer goals than the Golden Knights. Now, it's actually fairly close at the moment. Um, trending in the wrong direction for you though well i mean we've allowed four more goals but you've played one more game so i mean it's not doesn't look great but it's not it's far from over there's a lot of the gold lot of season left to play they didn't have their best defenseman for 20 games and now they expect to have them for the remainder and they're getting their best defensive (laughs) center back in a little bit here oh look man i'm fully prepared to lose this bet but i'm just saying we've got to keep eyes on it we do um uh, I'd say best of luck to you, but I wouldn't mean it. So uh, I'll just say I'll just say talk to you soon. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs>